Amen. Isn't that a blessing? Boy, if that doesn't bless your heart, you may check and see if you need a new blesser. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to share with you what I shared with two individuals who said, both of them said, you ought to preach that and uh, that'll encourage other people. I'm going to preach tonight on this subject. It is work to stay encouraged. If you're not encouraged, it's nobody else's fault. It's work to stay encouraged. Jesus told his own disciples, let not your heart be troubled. Now what he was saying is, if you just follow the natural course of life, you're going to have a troubled heart. But I want you to work to do something different than that. I want you to have a troubled heart. I'm going to preach tonight. It's work to stay encouraged. Heavenly Father, help me as I preach tonight. My heart's desire is to be a blessing to our church family first. Lord, I sure do thank you for them, and I thank you for their faithfulness, especially as we've gone through a year like no other. We've had many together, and yet, Lord, this has been a trying year. I pray, Lord, that you'd use a message to encourage all who will hear. I thank you for our visitors who are here tonight, many of them our friends, some here for the first time, and then, Lord, the many, many folks that will watch this message online. I pray it will be a help to us, and not just for the evening, but may it be a principle, may it become a practice in our life that will help us in years to come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It goes without saying, the year has been a trying year. It is a year that has tested our faith. There are many adjectives I could use to describe the year. One would be confusion. About the time you decide to do something or go one direction, things change. And it's been a year of confusion. It's been a year of change. It's been a year that has given us many reasons for fear. We had work, and we've had to work to keep our faith stronger than our fear. We'd been in this property, on that building, on this property just six months when the news came in March of all that was going on with COVID-19. And I'd never before in my life not worked to encourage, challenge, compel, and threaten people to come to church. I mean, that's what I'd done all my life. I'd never done anything different. I never thought about doing anything but being in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday class and Thursday chapel, that was just life. Boy, everything changed. All of a sudden, there were no church activities. All of a sudden, there was no school. That may be on the list of the good side. I don't know if I, which side I'm supposed to put that on. Camp closed for the summer. Heavy financial burden all summer long. We were set to move on to the next building program and construction and by all means had planned to open school in a new building that is just a graveled lot this evening. Several times the loan has been delayed of refinancing and just on and on permits have been delayed. The permit process has been long. Uh, there's a group of folks that oppose anything our church does and they organize that and I I don't advertise for them, and I'm not advertising for them tonight. 
but, but they oppose everything we do. It doesn't matter what we do, they, they oppose it. And uh, we've worked through many, many difficulties. I have worked all summer on securing permits to get the next building started, and we're yet today. We still don't have those, and I'll begin early in the morning on that process again. The truth is there are always battles to fight. There are always difficulties that we face, and there are always surprises, and there are always heartbreaks. There's spiritual warfare that we face every day, and there are many battles of the emotions, of our emotions and of our mind. And you have to work at staying encouraged. A few weeks ago, I was approached by one of our staff members, one of our men, who is a blessing to work with. And uh, I'll let you guess which one it is that's a blessing to work with. I'm, I'm only kidding about that. But, but staff member said to me, he said, and I'm pretty close to the quote here, Preacher, I know you're preaching only positive sermons. I know you fight to keep people encouraged, but preacher, how are you doing inside? How are you staying encouraged? In my answer to him, I shared one of the things that I do to encourage myself in the work and ministry and in life. And I'm just going to share that with you tonight. If you'll take your Bibles and go back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I want you to notice what the Bible says as Paul is talking to Timothy and he is describing for him the last days. And, and it is somewhat of a, it, it is a negative chapter in some way, or we could say like this, it is a full disclosure of ministry. We could say it like that because he does not cover anything. He says things just as they are. And in his writing, he tells Timothy, he said, Thou hast fully known, verse 10, my doctrine. By the way, you ought to get settled that you believe the Bible and quit making that decision. Just go ahead and believe that you believe the Bible when it says you're saved by grace through faith, plus nothing, minus nothing. Just go ahead and believe the Bible when it says whosoever will. You don't need to read the books that would cause you to think that God chooses some for heaven and chooses some for hell. There's no need for you to read that. Just read whosoever will. If you can't get past that, friend, that pretty well tells the whole story. And the Bible says, preach the gospel to every creature. Paul said, you know my doctrine. I haven't changed. I believe the truth. Paul said, you have known my manner of life. You know how I live when I'm not in church. You know my life. You know my manner of life. He said, you know my purpose? And by the way, your purpose ought to be to do God's will for your life. And there's enough of God's written will for you to do his written will. And it'd be better if you lived your whole life doing his written will in the wrong place than it would be to spend your whole life doing nothing, looking for the right place to do nothing in. Our purpose is to do the will of God. He said, you've known my faith. You know my faith in God. You know the long-suffering, you know the charity or the love in action I've had toward others. You know the patience that I've had, you know me. And then Paul changes direction and he says, you also know persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me, yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer 
persecution. Let me give you five statements from these few verses here. First of all, Paul was set in what he believed and where he was going. And Paul was going to live his life until his death, getting every person he could the gospel of Christ. Did you hear what I said? You put him in jail, he's going to witness to the soldiers. You stand him before a judge, he's going to witness to the judge. Uh, you put him in a chariot, he's going to witness to whoever's riding in the chariot with him. You put him in front of a crowd of people, he's going to give the gospel. You ask him in court, is it true that you've been giving the gospel? And he would answer with a repeat of the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul was set in these things. Second of all, Paul names the places of persecutions and afflictions. He names Antioch, he names Iconium, and he names Lystra. And when Paul says persecution and affliction, he's not talking about somebody said something bad about him on social media. He's not talking about how hot it was under the tent last Sunday night. He, 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 he wasn't talking about those things. Paul, when he was talking about persecutions and afflictions, he was talking about facing angry mobs. He was talking about being physically beaten with sticks, with rods, with, with whips. He was talking about being arrested and placed in jail. He was talking about being cursed. He was talking about being physically threatened and not only threatened, but carrying out that threat. When Paul talked about persecution and affliction, that's what he was talking about. I want you to notice the third thing he said, out of all them, the Lord delivered me. He said, I've been in a lot, but I've been through a lot, and God delivered me out of all of them. Number four, he then teaches Timothy a lesson, and he says, and I want us to get it because it's true for us. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Quit being surprised, as Peter said, when difficulty comes. I'm not surprised to face opposition in building a church. I'm not surprised in facing opposition. Do you know there are those that watch and count the number of buses that would come on this property? And there is a group that has worked to limit the number of buses. And we'll address that at a later time. But I want to tell you this, they're not going to keep us from reaching every boy, every girl, every teenager, every man and woman. We can, with the gospel of Christ, for if it were not for the bus ministry, hundreds and hundreds and thousands in this town would have never heard the gospel and won't be reached for Christ without the bus ministry. You're going to face a difficult time. You need to understand that while they may be advertising another round of stimulus, friend, you don't need to be looking for another round of stimulus. We need to be looking for another opportunity to serve God. Serving God is not an easy life to live. Ah, oh, but it's the most rewarding. Number five, he tells, us this, he tells us that this world tries our faith and it will only get worse through the years, but he says, don't change. Don't recapitulate. Continue. That's what he says. You keep doing what I've taught you to do. Now, there are two ways to look at this passage of Scripture. We could put the heading of this passage of Scripture, battles. But there's another way to look at it. We can also see not only battles, we can see victories. How you look at it determines if this passage of Scripture encourages you or discourages you. 
You can look at just the battle. You can look at just the difficulty and say, boy, serving God's difficult. Or you can look at the victory and say, it's worth every mile. It's worth every struggle. It's worth every fight. It's worth every battle. And without the battle, there would be no victory. I want to use an illustration to put in our minds what I mean. What I mean, Paul often used sports and competition as an illustration several times in his writing. And, and I want to use an illustration tonight. It may be a poor one, but, 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 but I want to use an illustration to help us understand uh, the, that we need to see this passage of Scripture not only as a passage that talks about battles, but talks about victory. How many of you played organized sports in high school or college in some way? Most likely there is a trophy case somewhere at the school you attended, whether it's high school or whether it's college or both. Every trophy speaks of two things. It speaks of a battle and it speaks of a victory. I'll give you an example. When I was in high school, our school was a very, very small Christian school. But we won a state championship in basketball among the teams that participated. Now, I remember in those days we had quite a few and large Christian schools. I remember some of the best schools and basketball teams. There was Science Hill down at uh, Somerset, Science Hill Christian uh, School. There was Harvest Christian from Owensboro. There was Grace Baptist School from Madison. There was Central Christian from Central City, Kentucky. I even remember some of the best players. I remember a player for Science Hill named Barry, number 30. Boy, he was a good shooter. I mean, you just about, I mean, you had to hurt him. You couldn't just foul him. Not that I played dirty. I just played to win. I remember a set of twins that played for Central City Christian, number 10 and number 11. They looked alike, they played alike, and both were very good. We had a very good team for three years, 1979, 80, and 81. We weren't big, but we were really fast, and we were in good physical condition. We were very tough mentally and physically. My dad was not a good X and O basketball coach, but he knew we had to be in good shape and we'd win in the fourth quarter a lot of games. I remember and I hope that you're remembering some of the same of your life and experience. I remember some of those tournament and championship games. I remember playing in a basketball game. It was a tournament game. We had to win to go to the next game, go to the next to win the championship and we did. And a fella was going to throw a basketball full court And I jumped up to try to block that pass, and the ball caught my finger and broke my finger. I mean, it broke it. It it is broke today. I, I mean, when I put my hand up, and I went to the bench, and my finger was broke over just like that. I mean, it was broken. It was broken. And I went over, and I said, oh, Dad. And my daddy said, what happened? I said, I think it broke my finger. Here's what my dad did. He pulled it out. I was already sweating. He took black tape and he taped it to that finger so it wouldn't dangle loose. He patted me on the backside and said, we need you, get back in the game. (laughs) 
Now, I could remember the battle and whine and cry about all those things, but what really matters is there's a trophy in that trophy case in 1979. Now, you remember the same. Maybe it was a team you cheered for. Maybe it was a game that you watched and you watched a Michael Jordan who came to the game and don't tell anybody, but he had the flu. I'm glad Dr. Fauci didn't find out about it. <laughs> and he determined he was going to play. And those of you who know sports and know about him, it was one of his best games. Now, some remember that as the difficulty that he faced. He remembers it as a game he won. The trophy and those trophy cases represented two things. They did represent a battle, and they also represented victory. So how is it that you encourage it yourself? You look back and you remember not only the battle, you see the trophy that came from not quitting during that battle. Let me tell you about Antioch. We could talk about Antioch and I could give you a Bible study and go on for two or three hours and talk about the battles in Antioch. There was a doctrinal difference between the great disciple of Christ, Peter, and the new convert and now growing Christian Paul, the apostle that, that, that wrote much of the New Testament. And Paul and Peter are having a disagreement doctrinally. Peter was wrong. Peter was adding works of the law to grace. By the way, that's legalism. Legalism is not telling you have a haircut like a man and dress like a lady, that, that, that dress like a man. That's not legalism. Everybody does that. Now, now, don't lose your breath. We're okay. Legalism is adding something to salvation. And there's a major disagreement. We could talk, I could teach for six months on what Peter taught and what, and what Paul taught and how Peter was right and how Paul was right. But, but, but Antioch was a place that there was difficult doctrinal disagreements and it came to the place that Paul had to withstand Peter to his face, face to face. They got in one another and he told Peter what was right. There was also the time that the Holy Spirit said, I want Paul and Barnabas and others to leave the church here for a work that I've called you to do. Can you imagine the hole that it left in the church? We could talk about the persecutions and the afflictions, but I want to tell you something. There's also a trophy in Antioch. There's also a victory in Antioch because when the battle came, they didn't quit. They kept going and they won. The truth is the first Gentile church was founded in Antioch according to Acts chapter 11. The disciples of the Lord Jesus were called Christians first at Antioch. It was from Antioch that Paul began his missionary journeys how do you stay encouraged? Do you remember the battle? Oh no, you look at the trophy and say, yes, it was a battle, but we didn't quit. We stayed in the battle. We finished the battle and there's the trophy to prove it. That's what Paul said. So I look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and I see Antioch, but I don't focus on the fact that there was a disagreement. I focused on the fact that they didn't quit in battle. They continued until they won and Antioch is a trophy. What about Iconium? 
The Bible said when they preached there, there was a group of unbelievers that stirred the people against the men of God. They organized protesters against the men of God and they came out against them in a multitude. Can you imagine tonight having church and a large group of people show up to assault the preacher? Can you imagine that? You better not let them do it. You better stand between me and them till I can get away. They came to assault them. In fact, if you read in the scripture in Acts chapter 14, they stirred up the preachers against them. They organized a stoning and they said, we will stone these preachers for preaching the word of God. But Iconium is not remembered for the hatred. Iconium is not remembered for the stirring up of the unbelievers. Iconium is remembered. It was a place where a multitude of people came to know Christ as Savior. A large number believed. And so they look back and they see, oh yes, I remember that year. There's the trophy. Oh, I remember that crowd coming. I remember their threats. I remember their cursing. I remember the fact that we had to leave and go to Lystra. We didn't quit. We stayed on the missionary trail. And there's the trophy to show that we won. They went on to Lystra. As you continue to read in Acts chapter 14, Paul heals a man there who had been crippled since his birth. The people did not give credit to the God of heaven, but they said of Paul and Barnabas that they are human incarnations of the Greek gods, of Mercury and Jupiter, and they said, we're gonna make a sacrifice to these men, and they said, no, 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 you don't understand, and before you get to the end of the chapter, they gathered together and they stoned Paul, and they left him for dead in the streets of Lystra. Oh, but wait a minute, Paul's not just talking about the difficulty in Lystra. Paul said, look at that trophy. Boy, I remember that game. That one went into overtime. I remember laying there on the ground. I remember you praying for me. I didn't know if I was going to wake up here or wake up in heaven. God answered your prayer. While they left me for dead, it wasn't long until I was right back in town again. Paul said, I don't just remember the battle. I remember winning the game. I remember when the trophy was given out. I remember putting the trophy in the trophy case. How do you stay, to, how do you stay encouraged? Well, first of all, you have to work at staying encouraged. Now I want to say tonight, if you look back over your Christian life and you look, you'll see that there are many battles that you face. As a songwriter said, through many dangers, toils, and snares I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Yes, I remember 1979, what a battle it was, but praise God, we didn't quit. There's a trophy to prove it. <coughs> How do you encourage yourself? Will you look back to see what God has brought us through? And you don't remember just the battle. You remember the victory. You've heard me say it a multitude of times. I'm not just telling the story for you to hear it. I'm working to encourage me. When I stand before a crowd, and I remember that Wednesday night in May, 1991, when 18 people were in the first service, 
counting my wife and I and our toddler son, Joel, who had colic for 26 years. <laughs> Joel said, after church, Dad, people were asking me if that was true. I said, you deserved every question. He said, how long was it? I said, it seemed like 26 years to me. I don't know how long it seemed like to, how, how long it was for you. 18 people was in the first service. I don't tell you for you to hear the story. You can tell the story. I'm working to encourage me, to remind me that there were 18 people. And there were two preachers that showed up in that first week that said, you'll never build a church here. There was an evangelist that showed up in the first month that said, Brother Fugit, I admire what you're attempting to do, but you understand, I don't know what this has to do with anything, but he said, this is an ancient burial ground for Indian chiefs. I don't know what that has to do with anything. But that's what he said. I remember the days when the bills were on the desk and they were more than we could pay in the offering for the entire week for a month. Sunday after Sunday was about $1,000. I remember those days. I don't tell that for you to know the story. I'm reminding me not of a battle. I'm just looking at the trophy in the trophy case. Because you see, and those of you that were here, I think of Brother Larry Lewis who's in the hospital recovering from surgery. What a servant. Help build everything. Now we build it wrong first, we tear it down, we build it right the second time. One thing I like about Brother Lewis, he was in the biggest hurry as I was. He'd order the shingles the same day they came in to dig for the footers. I don't tell you that story just so you hear the story and say, yeah, I heard that again. I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm encouraging. I'm just stopping by the foyer and looking in the trophy case and say, boy, I remember that. Thank God we didn't quit. We kept going. And year one was not the last year, but it was just the first year. I stopped by the trophy case now and again. Now remember the tent revivals that we started having across the state. I remember Dr. Anderson coming to spend the summers with me to preach the tent revivals in 94, 95, and 96. We would meet at 5 o'clock in the morning. I didn't know that there were two 5 o'clocks in the same day. Did you know that? Did you know there are two 5 o'clocks in the same day? How many of you didn't know that? <laughs> he wanted to meet at 5 o'clock every morning, and we did. We got on our faces before God and said, God, help us to see revival in this town. Help us to make a difference for the cause of Christ. And in those days, it was birthed a burden to plant churches across our state. Bluegrass Pike, Baptist Church in Danville, now 20 years old. Greater Cumberland Baptist Church in Hopkinsville. Greater Vision Baptist Church in Owensboro. Crossridge Baptist Church in Floyd County and on and on and on it goes. Over 40 churches now have been planted. I don't go back just to remember the battles. You talk about hot. When we were in Hopkinsville, I mean it was so hot at 7 o'clock in the evening, that was the saddest looking tent I'd ever seen. 
I was sagging, the tent was sagging. I mean, it was hot. You know how you, you get wet with sweat and then you cool off? We started off wet with sweat. I mean, it was hot. I'll never forget the first night a woman came to the altar to get saved, but she wouldn't get saved. She couldn't understand. She just couldn't imagine that the Lord would just freely give her salvation and forgive her of her sins. I'll never forget that. That week, every night, temperature 100 degrees. I'll never forget going down to look at the place that Brother Shaver had found for a, a tent revival. Uh, Brother Tyra and I went down there, and it was three clay Lots. Now, you know, clay's not bad if it's dry. Have you ever tried to stand up on a clay lot when it rains? I said, Brother Shaver, we can't have a tent revival here. We pulled into a dance uh, where they give dance lessons. What do they call those places? You don't know. Um, and, 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 and there was a sign, <laughs> there was a sign on the window, and it said, to order your tutu, call this number. I said, Brother Tyra, what's a tutu? He said, I don't know, but get me an extra large. <laughs> I'm telling you what he said that night. It's the truth. If he denies it, he's lying to you. He said, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, I'll need an extra large. I called the number. I said, is this building for rent? And their answer was, how did you know? And I said, how did I know what? They said, we just decided this morning we're closing the dance studio. That's what it is, studio. If you look it up, that's how you look it up, dance studio. And you'll need extra large too, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh. and, I said, and they said, how did you know? <laughs> oh, it's bad when you laugh at your own jokes, isn't it? It's bad. It was just funny. And, and how did you know? I said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. They said, we decided this morning we're going to rent the building. I said, I'll take it. I said, how much is it? They said, we haven't decided yet. I said, well, decide, decide. We, we need it. It is the home and has been for 20 years of the Greater Cumberland Baptist Church. I don't tell those stories to remember the battles. Now and again, I just stopped by the trophy case and I said, well, I remember that. Woo! But thank God we didn't quit. You see that trophy? We were in staff meeting one day. You've heard these stories, but I'm telling you what I do to encourage myself. And I'm telling you, if you'll just look back, you'll realize God has never failed you. God has never let you down. Yes, you've been knocked down. Yes, you've been hurt. Paul said, I face persecution and I face difficulty. I've been stoned. I've been thrown in jail, but thank God, God delivered me through every one of them. God took me through all of them. I don't see that chapter as just a battle chapter. I see it as a trophy case of what God did. Staff meeting one day, I said, we need to do something to shake this town. Brother Rogers said, how big is that baseball stadium they just built, built downtown? I said, I don't know. Let's go find out. He said, no, 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 no. He said, I, I'm just kidding. Brother Rogers, when he gets nervous, he calls timeout. And then Stephanie said, no, no, I said, uh, uh, Brother Dunn, were you here? You remember that? Were you here then? I, I, I told somebody, I said, go get the van. Let's go downtown and see. And within an hour, we were talking to the man that managed Applebee's Park. I mean, it looked like Yankee Stadium. That's how big it looked inside. 
I said, do you rent this? They said, sure. I remember coming home and praying, Lord, if you want us to have a big revival meeting of some kind, show me your hand. Let, 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 let me know. I got a call from a former governor of Kentucky. And he said, I was just thinking about you this morning and my wife and I, we have a gift we'd like to give to the church. I don't know if you have a special need or not. But I just was thinking about it. They'd never been to our church, I don't think. And sent a check for $10,000 and the Lord said, there it is. I went back and told him, Brother Rogers said, I, I, I was just kidding. I, I, I mean, I, I was just kidding. Wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm just kidding. All the staff know, Brother Rogers, time out. Time out, tap out, quit. It was amazing that night, 6,300 people came. I thought it went perfect. Crowd was great, weather was good, music was good, preaching was good, fireworks was good. Then came the newspaper Sunday morning and Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning, 10 days straight, 20 days straight, 30 days straight. I thought, surely they're going to think of something good to say about me. They can't be this many things bad about me. Then I picked it up one day and there was an article from Brother Tyra in there. He had written into the opinion piece and they published it. And I thought, surely he's not going to say something bad about me. And it said, to all the people who have been critical of my preacher about the patriotic rally, I just want to thank you. He said, since then, we can't find a place in our church to sit. Folks are visiting our church from everywhere. Thank you. A reporter followed me that summer, everywhere I went. You remember Frank, Brother Rogers? Now, you all think Brother Rogers is kind and... He is most of the time, but sometimes he said this to me one night after church. Frank had been to every service. He wrote something in the paper bad in every service. He said, preacher, I'm telling you what he said. I'm just about quoting. You want me to take him out behind the building? <laughs> I think he was just going to witness to him is all he was going to do. I think he was going to say, Frank, if you died tonight or in the next few minutes, <laughs> I'm just telling you tonight, one of the things I do to encourage myself because the battles aren't fun, but it's a blessing to say, I can't believe we won that game. I thought, sure, we were beat. I can't believe we won that game. Can you believe... By the way, you young men, if you ever build a church, there's a few battles before you get a trophy. I don't want a participation certificate in my trophy case. Give those to the protesters. I just want trophies that we fought to win. Hey, you've got some in yours. How do you encourage yourself? You count the times God has failed. No, sir. Through the Lord, through them all, the Lord delivered me. Stand with me, if you will. Yes, there are battles, but with every battle, there's an opportunity for victory.